Welcome to the Crystal Conversations podcast, where conversations of growth and resiliency, faith and falling meet your day-to-day challenges in authentic stories of the struggle, each equipping and encouraging you to own the value of your journey. Thank you for joining this Crystal Conversation. Hello there, listeners. Welcome back. I am so excited about today's guest. Um, I know, I know I'm excited about all my guests, but God has blessed me with the opportunity to meet some fantastic people who come into my circle in different ways, sometimes through um, common circles, sometimes through email introductions, and sometimes through a cold LinkedIn message. I received from our special guest today a cold LinkedIn message that sort of took me off guard because I get a lot of messages, but there was so much common overlap that I was almost intrigued. Who is this person and what do they know and why on earth did they message me and what are the motives and of course, of course, I'm here living to tell the story. So curiosity did not kill the cat. Um, but it is my honor and pleasure after a growing friendship to introduce you to my featured guest, Mike Hatch. Mike, welcome. Hi, Crystal. Man, it is good to be with you today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So with my ridiculous intro, please tell our <laughs> listeners a little bit more tangible things about yourself. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, so I am uh, I'm married. I've got one son who's 12 years old, been married for 17 years, um, and uh, am currently serving as the National Relationships Generator for CLC, which is a men's ministry out of Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, my, my role is to build relationships with past pastors and churches and um, Really, and, and you've you've helped me to refine this message, by the way. But uh, but I would say I get to help busy pastors multiply their impact by empowering the men in their church through relational discipleship. And so that's that's what I get to do. I love doing it. Um, and uh, and then obviously, it, so so obviously CLC. That's my role in men's discipleship, uh, and that's kind of one lane that I run in, in a sense there. But then um, but then also. It, you know, well, you and I went back when I first reached out to you, I've been reaching out to churches in your area. And, and this goes back to a previous connection I had before through N2 Publishing, which is another organization that I know you, you were affiliated with for a while there. And, uh, and I just, I, I was looking up people from that thinking they've got community, uh, you know, networks, you know, Good thinking. I'm thinking, yeah, maybe I'm looking for people who may have uh, connections in the community there that might be able to make introductions to churches and pastors and looked you up really thought highly of, of your profile looked really intriguing uh, what you did and uh, yeah and that's kind of why I reached out to you to get to know you and find out more about what you do professionally and see if there would be a good symbiotic relationship well I appreciate the outreach because I think it went in a completely unexpected direction where looking to expand ministry contacts really turned into some out-of-the-box thinking, as you said, working to refine messaging and hone in on target audiences. 
building a larger impact. I mean, it's really been like minds working together because we both are also military veterans. You've served in the Air Force. That's right. That's right. Six years in the Air Force, which, you know, some people would do the comparison game, you know, between Air Force and Army or Marines or whatever. And I'm not going to claim to have have it had it as tough as those of you who may be Army or Marine or Navy veterans. Um, but I, it, it was my time in the military and the Air Force was incredible and uh, I'm so grateful for it. Yeah. Were you able to have any unique travels in your time in the Air Force? A couple of times. So I, being in the National Guard, our our base was here local in Pittsburgh. And so I pretty much stayed close to home. But I did have a chance to go to Puerto Rico, um, which was very interesting, and then over to uh, Geilenkirchen, Germany, and uh, and that was also that was very interesting as well, um, in good and bad ways. Because in the military, <laughs> man, especially when you're in a, I, I worked as a crew chief on the flight line of the KC-135s, and uh, you're talking about a bunch of guys basically working there. The very few women, there were some, but very few, and. Uh, it can be tricky if your group of guys traveling together and uh, you know, there, there's a saying in the military, obviously, when, when you go to different places, they, they'll say often what, what's done there or said there stays there. So um, yeah, so I had to be, I had to be very careful about that. So. That is a hard, a hard balance. Now, were you a believer when you served in the military? Yeah, I was. Yep. I was a believer. I was a Christian at that point in time. Um, and uh, yeah, let me think here. It was, yeah, actually, so, uh, so I served for six years, three years in was when I got married. And, uh, and that was a huge deal in my life. And I've, I've talked to you about this before, but one of the struggles that God really used in my life to acquaint me with his grace is through an addiction to pornography. And as I, you know, and that's kind of why I brought up the military thing when you're going out there, that some of that stuff is embraced and yes. encouraged and celebrated, unfortunately. And uh, I remember the trip to uh, Puerto Rico, for example, one of the guys was adamant about going to a strip club. And um, thankfully, there was another guy there with me who was like, ah, I think I'd rather not. And I was able to kind of ride his coattails and say, yeah, I'm with him. I'm going to, you know, positive um, wingman. <laughs> it's exactly, it's exactly <laughs> right. Right. Um but, uh, but yeah, that, that was always a, a challenge. Um, those influences were always around there, but, um, yeah, still though, the positives outweigh the negatives in terms of my experience in the air force. I love the military because it it forces us to step out of the way that maybe we were raised, maybe our thinking patterns or limitations. And even if we don't travel or we don't deploy into combat, um, even if we have, uh, certain jobs within that time frame, we're still forced to break the mold of our thinking patterns, to recognize that we have a choice, what we do, who we hang with, the things we pursue or don't pursue. And, and that's something that I've really appreciated about your journey because similar to myself is I always joke, I've done everything from military intelligence to dog walking, working at a Jewish synagogue to running a tanning salon now yeah. as a licensed therapist and this resiliency communicator hosting and speaking. Um, sometimes, especially in the human resources world, those folks who hire and fire you would look and be like, Hmm, I don't see a thread, but you and I have gained a lot of value 
in the different roles we have held. Um, Right now, you're the national relationships generator for CLC. Um, You host a radio show. Tell us about that. Yeah, and get to have you on uh, recently, which is amazing because you're, yeah, your ability to verbalize and describe your value proposition. I think that's one of the big things we talked about on the show is just phenomenal. So I'm really excited for those uh, who will get to hear that once that's released too. So yeah, I get, had the opportunity to, um, uh, gosh, well, that the radio show started back, a buddy of mine started a podcast together before. And, uh, and some people knew that we were doing the podcast and I joined a, uh, a CEO kind of round table and the guy who led the round table had heard the podcast, knew what I was doing then. And someone from our local Christian radio station here, Word FM, reached out to him about this show that would uh, highlight businesses in, in the community. And this guy, Dave, met with the station uh, marketer, man- marketing manager, I think, over there at Word FM. And, and he heard about it. And then he, he thought of me, which was I'm super humbled by like he isn't that an amazing feeling when you just stop and someone says I thought of you and you just look like wait do you know me like I'm a mess without Jesus (laughs) yeah oh my gosh yes definitely and it it just showed it you know we're talking about I think before we were recording the connections the relationships and how everything is is based on those relationships you know that we have and 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 so yeah this guy Dave brought me in and, and introduced me and said, I think this is the guy who needs to do the show, not me. Mm. I mean, what a humble, That's humble powerful. guy. Yeah. He's, he's super, super thoughtful of other people and helping other people take their next step. So um, yeah, I was connected then to be able to do the radio station. So now I get to interview people like yourself, business leaders and entrepreneurs in the community who are making a, a redemptive impact. And man, is that, has that been a ton of fun? Oh my gosh. Absolutely love it. Getting to know these, these business leaders. And that's not the only leadership role you've had. You've served as a pastor also, correct? Yes, that's right. So ministry, I was a pastor. (laughs) Yep. Prior to that at a church here in Pittsburgh, um, for about seven years, a little seven and a half years or so as a men's pastor, and um, yeah, and that obviously that, so it's so funny as you're, as you're saying all these things, I'm seeing the threads connect too, as I'm describing them. So I started out in Young Life, um, which is a youth ministry uh, and was an area director there in Chicago, where I got to work with uh, students and raise up leaders in the community who'd work with those students and raise a budget and lead a committee and build relationships in the community with businesses there. So that's kind of where the spark started in a sense. Mm. Then I moved to becoming a pastor and worked with men and, uh, and really utilized some of my own experience with, with my struggles with pornography and how God had freed me from that to help men um, uh, recover from their own, you know, addictions and habits and hangups and just sin. (laughs) It was just, we're all addicted to sin when it comes down to it. So um, yeah, and then from there, uh, it was interesting. I was looking to, to try something new, leave the, the church and do something new. And this opportunity with CLC came up and uh, it was not what I was expecting. These last two positions have not been what I was expecting, but often you don't see it sometimes as clearly as maybe other people see those different connections and how they can link. And so um, yeah, a guy sat down with me and said, I think this 
there might be a role for you as CLC, this new position we're starting. Um, and you could be the great, a, a great fit for it. And it sounded good. I was definitely, I was definitely, um, what's the word? Uh, I, I was excited for the opportunity and, and, um, what's it called when you're flattered, I guess. Yeah. I was flattered a little bit too. national role. That was exciting. Um, but it, it actually hasn't been until after, and I've been in the role now for a while that I feel like I'm, I'm actually growing into it and feeling like, wow, yeah, this is, this is a great role for me. And I can look back and see all those connections and the ways that God was preparing me for where I am now. And that's exactly what I saw when I, when I thought about who it is that would bring value to the listeners out there, there can be power in our ability to take each role, do well with it. Um, as you said, you're growing into this role. You're really starting to own it as, as yours and, and transform it into something. But when we have these experiences, sometimes it's the people that come alongside us and that we experience in those roles that can be really transformative because they add the power of mentorship, collaboration, just a sense of connection that someone gets you or someone believes in you. Yep. And, and whoever that was in each of those roles, I see you exuding that to other impact makers. And that gets me excited because it's like, he knows the power of connection and not everybody understands that. So how has there been anyone in your life, including Dave, um, that has yeah. really just been impactful for you? Oh man. Oh yeah. A lot of different people along. Oh my gosh. I guess. Don't worry. Don't yeah. feel bad if you're not named, but is there I know, someone, I know, right. <laughs> we won't name them all. We'll just pick maybe yeah. one or two that you were like, they like took me and like readjusted my pivot and it just, it was spot on. Yeah. I, first of all, I think of uh, my, my, so I was on staff with Young Life and when I was in high school, I was also involved in Young Life as a student. Okay. And I had a young life leader who was just out of college who just suddenly showed up on my, on my high school campus, showing up at games and events and stuff. I'm like, who is this weird guy that doesn't have a life? It seems like, cause he's having to hang out with high school kids. Then I got to know him and man, oh my gosh, he poured into me, invested in me, loved me through some of the most tumultuous times of my life. When, you know, I was, my parents were divorcing uh, and that was terribly messy and painful. Our family was falling apart. He became the most stable adult relationship in my life at that point. And um, that was huge, man. He absolutely, and he, he adjusted for sure, especially spiritually speaking, um, just started getting me to think outside of myself, you yes. know, as opposed to- And at that age, that's really hard to do. <laughs> yep. Oh my gosh. How many of us look, I know I do. I look back and think, what the heck was I thinking? I was so self-centered. Um, yeah, so that's one of the first one uh, really intentional relationships that came into my life and had a huge impact on me. Um, I think of uh, some guys when I was in, in Chicago who, uh, who here's what I would say, I would say they had a really good friend of mine who worked with me, came alongside me, kind of like you, what you were saying, in my time with Young Life and modeled to me vulnerability like I had not seen before. 
Mm. And, and the, the, the willingness to confess, uh, you know, confess your sins one to another, as, as the scripture says, and he, and he really modeled that for me. And then we began to have this relationship where we, we were able to confess one to another and have um, just incredible depth to our friendship um, based on really knowing each other at a deep level as a result of that and uh, and experiencing God's grace as, as we do that. Because I think, I think, yeah, I was up to that point still kind of trying to break free from the image management thing, yes. hiding the things that I was right most ashamed of. The things that we do every day and we're like, get out of here. No. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Exactly. Authenticity is a hard gig. I'm telling you. It, yeah, it takes courage and it's so scary to step out. But when you have someone else who's walking alongside you, who's, who's already been down that road and, and is able to model that for you, it, it draws you out, you know, and then you're, you're more easily able because it, it's safer with someone yes. who, who's willing to do it themselves. He created a safe example for you to know that like, he was, he was secure in his own space to be vulnerable and authentic and mm. ask forgiveness and confess sin. So it didn't feel so scary for you to do it because it was that modeling first before yep. requiring you to step into that discomfort. Yep. And that's okay. So men out there, if you're a man who's listening to this, hopefully you resonate with this, but men are desperate for that. Men just typically don't, they're not naturally external processors in a sense, like, like women can be more naturally, I guess, in a sense, I hope I don't, I hope I'm not sounding sexist by saying that. Um, but men, we tend to process internally to some extent, not our friends that we're with, we're not necessarily talking a ton about what's going on inside of us. And so often, you know, as a pastor and as I've, as I've walked alongside other men, one of the hardest things for them to do is once they're married, to be able to reach deep inside and pull out what's going on in there. It's, it's, it's so hard. And, and that's what, you know, their wife is desperately longing for, right? They want that, they want that connection to know them deeply. And man, um, it's hard for men to do that. And I'm grateful that I had people in my life model that. I have a wife who's got incredible patience and grace with me, even though she is Italian and, uh, and man, can she get lively. And, uh, at first early in our marriage, she would get, she was so her, uh, her tolerance of me not getting it out, you know, and just keeping it internalized was, she didn't have the tolerance there. And so she, would I was going to say, just because we're external processors does not mean we do it well. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> we don't always provide yeah. a safe place to yeah. allow those in our life to express what we want from them. Like we may want it, but we don't know how to get it. Like that's a, that's a learned mm. communication skill. Yep. Yep. That's a great point. That's a great point. That's true. Yeah. So, so yeah. you so have I'll... these folks modeling coming alongside, like, and you're kind of watching like, mm -hmm. huh there's something to this depth of relationship, this connection piece. It's, it's sort of driving this young adult, you, this young married, you, um, yep. into a place, but then you're starting in these roles 
to actually pour it out to others, not only folks yeah. showing you, but you're modeling that for others now. What, yeah. what was that transition like? Oh man. Yeah. So, okay. So one of the, the passages of scripture that really has meant the most to me in my own walk with the Lord, my recovery from this addiction of pornography. And it was uh, that first John, first John chapter one, and it talks about this, uh, this contrast between walking in the light versus walking in the dark. And, uh, and this is where, if, if you don't mind me saying, this is where um, this book that I'm working on has, was kind of born out of, but, uh, and I'll mention that here in just a second, but th basically the, the scripture says, um, you know, when we, um, when we walk in the light, well, first of all, when we walk in the dark, we're living in sin dark dark is is equal to sin it's it's uh it's the lies it's deception um it's insecurity it's fear uh the light is where you find truth purity and uh um uh, freedom and i had spent most of my life living in the dark trying to hide those things that i was most ashamed of and all the while sabotaging my experience of grace with God as a result, because I'm not coming into the light and trusting him and allowing that, you know, to experience that grace. But when you do, and, and for me, it was kind of a, unfortunately God pushed me into the light, um, through, through my beginning. Well, when we were engaged right before we were married and it kind of came out, unfortunately in a painful way for my wife. And, mm -hmm. um, and so, but in doing that, like, so in first John, it says, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, um, you, we have fellowship with one another, it says. So the idea that when you step into the light, you're known and yes. you get to know others. And there's that connection, like you were talking about, and you have true, like authentic connection and relationship that way. God showed his faithfulness to push you into the light so that you could really know your future wife. Yeah. Yep. And everybody else I run into then too. And that, this is where it kind of transitions to what you're saying, because so it says, yeah, we have fellowship with one another, but then it also says in the blood of Jesus, his son purifies us from all unrighteousness. So that it's an act of faith to step into the light because it's risky. You're risking revealing yourself, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and that can be scary, but as you do that, especially in, in a safe environment with a community of people that, that love you and are, are healthy. <laughs> it well, it, it can be extremely healing on so many levels. And it was that for me. Um, so in that act of faith, God is his, his Holy spirit is purifying you as you take that step of, of faith into the light. Um, and that's, that was when I, I realized, okay, that's how I experience God's grace is not by hiding, but it's by continually coming out in a sense uh, confessing, being honest, being vulnerable. And, and as I, I realized it, as I did that, I progressively experienced God's grace in ever increasing ways. And so then I just realized, okay, so if I just mentioned, if I just say these things, as I meet with guys, whenever I would meet with them, for example, or now with pastors, the same thing, I bring this stuff up. I say it, I just kind of put it in the light and say, yeah. this is me. And it's amazing how many, how many of them you know, meet me there and say, Oh yes. Like, like leaders are aching for a safe place to be real. Exactly. That's exactly right. Especially. Yeah. As I meet with pastors, 
they feel tremendous pressure um, to have it all together, to look good, not to get too vulnerable. Cause it, and if they do, there's also all sorts of possible repercussions that they could be fearful of. So um, yeah, so that, that was the fun part is when I got to actually share the story then and watch guys step out themselves in response to me sharing, just like I did when I had, you know, my own friends step out. So. Have you ever found yourself asking why? What for? What could possibly be next? Was there any value in that? If you find yourself looking to find the value of your journey, owning it and strategically using it to grow forward, the Gain Mental Miles Small Group Coaching Program may be right for you. Reach out and ask now at crystalmcfadden.com. I didn't realize how powerful the journey of vulnerability of stepping into the light was until I went through my own journey and a, and a coach had, had mentioned, and I said, Hey, I was thinking about this. It was sort of like being stirred up in me where God was pushing me to get to know myself, like showing me that there was the me I presented. And then there was my head had adopted this image that I had presented and that there was a gap between who he created and the authentic me inside with this, this person that was kind of standing two feet in front of me to take all the lashings. If anyone ever like judged me. Oh, wow. Yes. I relate to that. (laughs) Oh, and it was so powerful to walk through this it was a good year and a half of just shaving off those layers of protection and defense and pride. And, and, and I don't want to think of them as lies, but the reality was when I got down to it, they weren't the truth. So therefore they were lies. Like any version of what is, Mm -hmm. is a lie to some degree. And Mm -hmm. it's not up to us to say how good or bad that degree is. The matter of fact is, it's a lie. And so the, the sort of ripping away of our protective layers and actually saying, Lord, you are enough. I trust you with who I am and who I'm growing to be and who I was. It's terrifying. It's uncomfortable. And you sure as heck don't want to do it with someone, but Jesus models it with other people. (laughs) Yeah. And in that same passage, it actually referenced what you just said. It, it talks about the fact that we, when you walk in the light, you're living a lie. And it says you're making God out to be a liar Yes. as well, because you're not, you're not trusting him. You know, if you, if you trust him, if you're going to believe him, then take that step into the light and, and, and experience the truth of, of what he's promising you. And that, that person we're putting out there, is saying, well, Lord, I want to trust you more. I want to see you more. I want to serve you. And he's like, that's not even your real heart yet. Like, let's, let's move. Like you can't cry out to me and say, I want, I need, I will. If you won't even get down and dirty with me with all your stuff and lay it all down, put it all at the foot of the cross, like hands open, lead me with all of my, it is Mm-hmm. It is a wild journey. And, and listeners, <laughs> if you have not gone through this, you're yeah. like, mm, that sounds pretty uncomfortable. Mm, I don't, I don't really, I'm not really touchy feely like that. I want to encourage you 
that anyone that I've met that has broken through that barrier of the defensive facade to protect against the world, recognize that it is just validating the fact that we do live in a broken and fallen world. It's validating the fact that we are a mess and incomplete without Jesus. And that when we finally recognize that this is the the way the world is laid out, and we begin to turn towards this Jesus who loves us right where we are so that we can receive this grace, like Mike was saying, we, we experience this freeing, this freeing, peaceful release that, that allows us not to remove difficult circumstances, not to make life easier, but to own the reality so that we're actually stepping on solid ground because we actually know what's going on and how things are positioned. So I, I encourage you to, to take this with some level of pause and reflection that this could be that moment that you're being called to explore where it is that you stand and what it is that you were created for and how much this God who created you loves you and, and formed you with intention. You were not forgotten, but sometimes we are tempted and distracted and derailed from paying attention to the us that we were created to be. And so please, if you need to pause and come back, just stop and be like, God, what's up? Like, what are you doing? I don't even know you. And, and just open up that line of communication. You never know how he's going to show up. Amen. And you, you said something there, you talk about own the reality. That was, that's really good because that, that's something that as I was uh, going through my own journey, that early on in my life, I had, I had, it was challenging embracing the reality. I didn't feel like I had the tools, definitely didn't have the courage to deal with the reality that was facing me. And that's, that's one of the things that led me into hiding, which eventually, you know, brought me to the dark and to this, this addiction. But, um, but yeah, after you begin to start walking in the light and, and not that you experience, um, how do I say this, that, that you understand better your self-sufficiency is that you understand God's all sufficiency. Yes. And, and that's where the courage and confidence comes from. At least it has for me. Completely agree. Now, a lot of the things that we're talking about, um, having the tools, finding the people, um, stepping out into this light and being authentically ourselves. This is a journey. We don't, we don't just naturally like click a switch. This is, this is a, a lot of work has gone into understanding who you are, whose you are and where you're going. Am I correct? Oh, Yes. <laughs> Amen. That's exactly right. That's yeah. Cause that, oh. and again, I'm thinking like a guy. <laughs> As you should. <laughs> men, you know, men out there are probably like, yeah, we, we just want it fixed. Like, let me just go wrench on the car, get the satisfaction done, fixed. It doesn't work like that with us as people. <laughs> okay. Well, we have to you have the natural tendency as a man, but also that military mindset of complete the mission. Totally. Like, as a young adult, complete the mission is 
first and foremost, like our brain isn't developed until the age of 24 to 26. So most of us who have served have this get her done kind of mentality. Yep. And, and that's really hard to break through if there's a, a slower process involved of growing and learning. Yeah. The other, the other um, thought that, I, that comes to my mind or term, as you mentioned, that is, is the, the idea of missional readiness. Mm. And um, like, I remember in the air force, we always used to talk about the fact that we need to be ready to be anywhere in the globe at any time, at any moment, at the drop of a hat. And how do we make sure that, and it, and it's funny because, you know, so we, you, you drill, you train um, over and over and over again to be ready. And I know in, in my situation that almost worked in a negative in my personal life mm. to where it, it was about, it was about being ready, but, but it, I was so about being ready in the sense of like making sure people saw what I wanted them to see, making sure that like, that I had the right answer that I, that I looked good, whatever it was. And, um, and unfortunately I didn't take time to pause, you know, and, and, and get a greater depth of missional readiness that that's in a sense, like you've got, I guess, personally, I'm thinking about it from that standpoint, you know, surface level, just trying to image management and that kind of thing. And then, but at a lower level, there's a certain level of missional readiness as, as a person that um, when you do that deep heart work that you're talking about and you walk in the light and you're more acquainted with God's grace, that it's a more profound sense of missional readiness. Does that make sense? Absolutely. What I'm, what's coming to mind is so many of us have done so much work on the image management, that surface level presentation, that looking right, doing right, sort of rhythms of our day and our habits and presentation, however that may look. But the instant someone penetrates that image and hits at a deeper level, where our insecurities, where our Um, where we haven't done as much work, where maybe there's a hurt point or a trauma point. As soon as they break the barrier of that image we've portrayed, like I said, that two foot person that I kept in front of me was kind of like that, that guarded image. We defend, we react like there is an emotional charge or activation, positive or negative, because you can hit something of joy deep or something of satisfaction deep as well. And, and I agree, we can be mission ready on the surface level as much as we want as a person. But the reality is the soft, mushy, gushy stuff that is vulnerable underneath, yeah. once it is pricked, a whole bunch of stuff leaks out. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's funny when you say that too, this is a thought that comes to mind. I think of, uh, you know, PTSD, for example, um, just a, a way, maybe in a sense that things leak out after experiencing some really traumatic things that you're not ready. To, nobody's ready to experience some of those things, by the way. So I'm Nor not can you that, trigger manage to keep everything no. from hitting those spots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, but it also, I mean, hopefully would bring you to your knees into a greater dependency on God, because that's in a sense that um, PTSD, you can't control it. You know, it's, it's something that you have to, you do have to kind of get down deep into the roots to kind of help figure it out um, and gain freedom from it to some sense or some, some extent. But um, 
I think the same thing is true with us emotionally, just in general, though, too. I think we, we, we um, overestimate our own self-sufficiency and vastly underestimate God's all-sufficiency. Yes. Um, all the yeses. He is so, he is so f- faithful, even when we're not asking him to be. He mm-hmm. is all-knowing, even if we don't give him credit. <laughs> um, oftentimes, we are going through things simply for him to show us what he already knows in and through us so that we can believe what he already knows. Yeah. Yep. Um, he just, he just works in really mighty ways. And, and essentially that's, that's what I see when, when I've met you, you want to empower and lift up and stir on impact makers who are grounded in Christ. Like those folks who are out there for his glory and for the good of their community and for the sake of the gospel, you are out there linking people together and and making sure they're equipped and getting them connected with the people. Is that the essence of empowered manhood as you're developing this book and, and those who, who want to be notified can reach out to you and sort of follow along with your journey. But is that the essence of empowered manhood is getting them through this journey? Yeah, definitely. And so, yeah, there is, um, men in general, uh, or at least the men that I've, I have worked with on a regular basis uh, are very disempowered mm. because they're very similar to me. They, that they are, are stuck in the dark, af- afraid or unwanting to step into the light. And it leads to all sorts of different vices that, uh, that control us and, and enslave us. Yes. And as long as you have that stuff, you know, that that's chaining you up, you know, you can't, you can't accomplish, I think, I think what God's calling you to accomplish. And so many men just feel, I think, chained. They feel like they're in handcuffs in some sense. They're disempowered. And because um, they've kind of given into the lies of the dark. And uh, the, yeah, the book I'm working on, Empowered Manhood, is, um, is about it's sharing my own journey, first of all, of what it meant to step into the light because empower. See, here's, okay. Here's the lie. I think we get from the world. Unfortunately, is that the world would say it's within you. The power is within you. The, the, the light is within you. You just have to access, you know, yourself in, in it's a new, so sneaky. Like, it's in everything. It is. Right. And that's, and I've found quite the opposite that it it's without it's in God, it's in Christ. And, and as I've, um, as I've, you know, it, it, it's you trusting what's outside of you with God, who's outside of you and then stepping into the light. And then what happens is, as you, as you do that, as you entrust yourself to him, his Holy spirit begins to change you from the inside out. I think sometimes then he can indwell us, then he can work in and through us, but it's not inherently in us (laughs) without Mm -hmm. him. Like there's no separation of light and God, like that's one in the same. Yep. And you, you mentioned something earlier too, that really resonated with me was that, um, it was, uh, it's realizing my own sinful nature and my own desperate need for God is ultimately what will lead to freedom. Uh, it's threatening to some people because they want to believe that they can do it themselves. We want to believe that we're the answer and we want to think highly of ourselves. 
Um, I know for me, that was me idolizing myself and putting myself in the place of God. But, um, but yeah, so I, I just, um, in the book, I want to share basically the, the ways that I have discovered em- empowerment um, from God. And, uh, and I boil it down to kind of three main points that I talk about in the book. And the first one is that um, the empowered man or the godly man is, is known by God. He's grown by God. And lastly, he's owned by God. And so the idea is that, you know, actually Paul <laughs> talks about this in scripture where he, he actually um, contrasts the idea of our knowledge of God versus God knowing us. Mm. And when we, and, and, he, and he talked about the, the significance of God knowing us over what we might know. And the, um, uh, when we entrust ourselves to Christ and we entrust ourselves to God, God knows us in a different way. And, and, uh, I remember learning this as, as a pastor that, you know, I used to hear often, you know, we're all children of God, we're all children of God in a sense. That's true that God created you and he loves you, but there's a difference between my son, you know, who bears my name, who lives in my home, who I am responsible for and provide for, uh, and, and other neighborhood kids. I love those other neighborhood kids. They're great. Nothing like love them. Um, but my son is, is, is a whole different deal. And that's similar to what scripture says about us. When we entrust ourselves to God, he knows us differently than, than, than our relationship was to him prior to that. I, uh, my husband coaches T-ball. And if you've never watched a T-ball game, I encourage you. It's hysterical. Um, and very fun, even if you're not involved, but I was never in sports. And my husband said, we're coaching T-ball. So I became the bench coach. Um, and so I managed the 12 to 15, five, six and seven year olds on the bench as they switch in their chaotic gears and lick each other's shoes and need their things tied and all of these crazy things. And, and you're right. I was, I actually got a partner this last season and she was kind of watching me and and picking up things. I said, the beauty is when my son's out there doing ridiculous things like chasing butterflies and letting the dirt fly in other people's faces, I can yell and be like, Hey, and I can correct and steer him in a proper direction. Mm -hmm. I love, love, love my husband and I love our T-ball teams, but we cannot love and correct and guide in the same way because we only get small bits of exposure. We don't get to form their character. And, and that's what I think of when you say like, Mm -hmm. he knows us because he wants to form our character into his likeness. He wants to guide us into the places he has us for like has us headed and and he has the permission when we entrust ourselves to him where those Mm -hmm. who are not known in a salvation way yes they are his creation but they are not a new creation in him like it says and so so i i appreciate that principles of we have to be known grown and owned by him in such a very intentional way that there's things we can do to lean into that to apply it. And, and Mm -hmm. I'm glad 
that the listeners got to hear part of your journey because one, like you said, so much of it is kept in the dark and, and it, all it does is separate us, create harm, create, um, weakness within the body. Um, and to those who have never gotten to know Christ's love, those lies create a space so deep because we're not even owning our authentic standing place. Um, so thank you. Like that is, that is huge. I'm so excited to watch this come into print because you don't have enough bandwidth with a wife and a family and work to sit down with every single man. This is a way you can pour into them. Yeah. And that's that's exactly my hope. That's right. And I love your obedience to that call. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. That's ultimately where the the power comes from is what I've discovered that. And that's the idea. I want men to know where to find that, to be empowered themselves through Christ. So so in all of this, we've, we could cover so many other things. I always enjoy our connecting time. For the listener who is hearing you being like, oh, Mike, you're touching a lot of things. I do not like you touching. Like <laughs> there, there are so many subjects, yeah. so, many, so many guarded places kind of pushing past that image protection they've been doing. But you're hitting something and they're, they're curious. Yeah. How would you encourage them to take a step or move yeah. in a direction out from that discomfort or push into it? Yeah. Oh man. That's a really good question. So, okay. I would say coming back to the theme in a sense of this, of this interview, uh, I, I go back to connection and, you know, I heard someone say once, um, I think it was a Ted talk. He said, uh, you know, the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite of addiction is relational connection. Mm. And uh, it's funny, I, I just had actually the interview, I think, well, I just did a last round of interviews, radio interviews. And, and one of the guys who shared um, talked also about the fact that um, poverty, for example, is not just a lack of money. It, it's a poverty of relationship often for people that leads to, to different problems. And so I think the first thing that comes to my mind is, is how, how to connect, how to, how to gain connection with others. Um, obviously, being a pastor, I'm partial to this, but I would say, go to your church. <laughs> right? Or check out a couple just in case you walk into one that's not so healthy. Well, yeah, right. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, if you're already a part of a church, because there's a lot of people out there I know who are already part of churches that they love and are growing and everything. They just haven't taken a step out to actually take another step to grow and, and to connect, you know, they're maybe anonymous, but um, it could be as simple as, uh, as talking to your pastor and just be, because the pastor, hopefully again, in a healthy Bible believing church can be a really safe place to just start to bring some stuff out into the light. Okay. And as you gain confidence with that, then, and speaking from a men's perspective, um, I would say as, as men, we need to get connected with other groups of men, um, who are willing and to be vulnerable. And, uh, and that's, again, that comes full circle. That's why I do CLC. That's why, um, you know, I just, I just started a CLC group at my church in the strip district. And, um, and it's so amazing. You start out with, with just sharing your stories, basically, we call them fence post stories. 
what are those fence posts in your life that led to um, kind of molding you into who you are today, impacting you about, you know, with regard to that. And, and man, it's amazing when these guys start sharing their stories, like the emotions that come out, the, the tears that came out um, and, and the connection that happened as a result of that. Um, just to be able to sit, that's why I love sitting down with guys and say, just tell me your story. I want to hear your story. So many guys don't get an opportunity to do that, you know? So, so yeah, connection would be huge. And, um, and really that God created us to, to also, obviously we find him through his word. That's his hugely significant and we can pray, but I think, especially in this day and age, especially with COVID, I think we can underestimate or take for granted how God reveals himself through other people that we're connected with. I think that is a, a great way to wrap up our time is do not underestimate the power of connection. There is a significant difference between a really large raindrop and a waterfall. They're the, the right. same, same substance, same direction right. going down. But when yep. you join together, there is a significant amount of difference in the impact being made both on self, the surrounder, the surroundings and all of that. And so I thank you so much, Mike, for being here with us today. Um, your time is extremely valuable and I am just, I'm just honored to call you friend and brother in Christ. Amen, Crystal. I'm really, really grateful to be here with you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Listeners, you know what to do. Share it with a friend. Thank you for joining this Crystal Conversation, where stories of growth, resiliency, faith, and falling are authentically shared to encourage and equip you in your journey. If you've been inspired, please feel free to share the love and tell a friend about these Crystal Conversations. If you want more inspiring, growth-focused, and resiliency-related content, Find the Crystal Conversations LLC page on Instagram and our Facebook page, or go to crystalmcfadden.com and subscribe for our newsletter and other content-related goodies.